Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is living in the Hockamock Swamp area of Massachusetts? Could out-of-the-body experiences be trips to parallel worlds? How do parasitical entities take advantage of people? Greetings and welcome to the 592nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben and those brief questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening we bring you an, even, uh, an open line show that you can continue burrowing into our uh, mile high stack of emails. Numbers to call 800-449-1240, that's anywhere in the US or Canada, or 401-766-1240, that's locally. And don't forget about emails and stuff. That's paulabehindtheparanormal.com for emails. Now, because we lost the podcast for the show uh, 586 on uh, May 11th, we're going to deal with the same questions we took on that show because we know that most of our, our listeners are not in our broadcast area and listen by podcast. We uh, also have... Thank you, Ben. We also have had an issue with last week's podcast, the show with uh, Alejandro Rojas, a very, very well-known UFO expert and journalist, and we are working on that, and we'll try to do so uh, as far as getting it fixed as soon as possible. So we're off and running. Uh, ben is kind of under the weather tonight, so I will do most of the reading now for these uh, various emails. So let, let's, uh, let's go back to uh, one we received in the wake of my coast-to-coast appearance on... Um, in early May, okay, we usually get lots and lots of reaction to that. And here's one. Uh, we talked about flap areas, George Nuri and I, and flap areas are places where there are seemingly unrelated but many paranormal events that uh, we believe have the same uh, basis as far as the process by which they manifest. You know, you might have UFOs, uh, cryptids, Bigfoot, that sort of thing, even ghost phenomena, and uh, they don't seem to be connected, but really in a way they are because of the process behind it all. So one of these areas, in a, it's actually in our listening area, is the uh, bri- so-called Bridgewater Triangle area of Massachusetts, uh, Mansfield. In that area, uh, it's about, uh, well, it's really over 220 square miles. And in the midst of this is this Hockamock Swamp management area, state management area. And there are all sorts of interesting things that have occurred there uh, since, really, the Native Americans began to notice it way back. So, And then, of course, the Europeans uh, noticed it when they settled the area, and now it's still a prominent area for strange phenomena. Ben and I have been there ourselves and have seen a couple of strange things. So here's a letter uh, from Jean, who lives on Cape Cod. And Jean writes, My husband grew up on West Center Street in West Bridgewater. That's in the area, West Bridgewater, Massachusetts. He was a very little boy uh, when, we ha- when he had an incident. Their property abutted the swamp, that's the Hockamock Swamp, and his parents had a large, successful chicken farm at the time with large outbuildings. Now, because she gives her husband's age here, and I presume now this would be the early 1950s, because her husband and I are roughly the same vintage. Uh, one of the heaters, uh, Jean continues, one of the heaters caught the chicken barn on fire in the middle of the night. All the adults, including his mother, ran outside, and the fire department was called. He got out of bed and came outside, and no one really noticed him. He told me that he saw a sort of thing slash creature hiding behind a tree, watching this, and it saw him. He was scared out of his wits, and to this day, a vivid memory. Uh, this, this is a vivid memory. There were other incidents and sightings over the years, as that swamp was right behind the property his parents owned. 
Now, Gene sort of leaves us hanging there. I'd love to hear more about other sightings and things that occurred there, uh, but I'll have to get in touch with her and ask for more information. One of the things that we believe is happening here uh, in areas such as the Hockamuck Swamp, and there are plenty of other areas around the world where this occurs, is that um, our point of view is not based on spiritualism. It's based on, on the fringe areas of physics, which I think are the best ways to explain what I've seen in the paranormal over the past 45 years. And that is that you have intersects of parallel realities. Right? And, and, and this, is, this is good science, depending on how you interpret it. We don't live in just one world, and we've talked about this many times. Uh, there are many parallel realities where all possibilities seem to exist. And there are many ways to interpret that, but we feel that that explains most paranormal phenomena. Uh, you may have uh, an area, and especially where there's, there seems to be a lot of water, an area where these intersects occur, and you will have strange creatures that are not familiar to us, perhaps coming in and out from parallel worlds. They may not even know what they're doing because very often they seem just as confused as we are. And there are boundaries that can be crossed, energy can be exchanged. It's an open system. On television, you may remember the show, it was Quantum Leap and there was some other one. And Hollywood never really quite gets it right. I mean, you know, they leap from one world to another, and, and it was sort of a closed system. In other words, one, one world was self-contained, and you could leap to another one, and, and where things were just a little bit different, and maybe you, were, you had a different job, or you hadn't been born yet, or you died 30,000 years before. All those things occur uh, in the multiverse, as it's called. But you might not have uh, the same... It will be a closed system, but now uh, it seems that that's, it's not a closed system. Things do come back and forth, energy is exchanged, and you have things like the Bridgewater Triangle and all these seemingly odd and unrelated things that occur there. Other examples that Ben and I have researched are in Rendlesham Forest area in England, in Suffolk, England, uh, where it, the best-known phenomenon was the appearance and landings of various UFOs in uh, December 1980, in the presence of Air Force personnel, including high-ranking officers, at two bases that straddled this, this forest area. Uh, we've been there, strange things have happened, and it has a history of all sorts of odd things going back to Saxon times, you know, way, way, way back, thousands, several thousand years, uh, in some of the most extreme cases uh, that have been reported. And people still have odd experiences there. So this is another flap area. Certainly the Mothman... Uh, incidents so-called, as called by, by the press, in the mid-1960s in the Ohio Valley of the United States is another example. Uh, we've been down there as well, and we've spoken with witnesses who uh, had a lot of things happening besides the appearance of the, of the so-called Mothman, which is a very odd creature with wings that flew at 100 miles an hour and chased people and scared them to death. Uh, and on rare occasions seem to help people as well. So very strange thing. And this is all what we're talking about. So uh, I'd like to hear more from um, Jean about that. I'll be in touch with her. I'll let you know uh, what, uh, what she may report on any further incidents that her husband witnessed there. But it is an ongoing case as far as we're concerned. Now here's another one. Uh, this is from Mary in New York City. And Mary writes, Dear Paul and Ben, I often cruise through coast to coast. And th that's the radio show I was on that prompted half of these. It's a, it's a large national show with George Nury, 570 stations um, syndicated in the middle of the night. So you'd be surprised the people who listen to the radio at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. So uh, Mary writes, I often cruise through coast to coast and recently ran across your names and website. From my current research and experiences, I found your theory of the paranormal spot on. Last year I took uh, the theory that I just described about this multiverse idea. 
And Mary continues, last year I took a class with a friend at the International Academy of Consciousness, I'm not familiar with that, and read their book entitled Demystifying the Out-of-Body Experience by Louis Monero, uh, him I've heard of. I feel that much of the information gleaned from their OBEs, it's out-of-the-body experience uh, acronym, of course, is similar to your experiences and insights. My friend and I have had a few OBE experiences ourselves since taking the class. At this point, when we leave our bodies, uh, we are in a version of our, home, of our home. It's never our current home, and we have yet to see our own body sleeping in the bed. That's something that very, people very often report when they have these so-called out-of-the-body experiences, if that's what they actually are. Uh, they find themselves floating above uh, the operating table, say, when, when they're being operated out of the medical situation in a hospital, uh, or, when, or when they're just simply sleeping. They can, they're, they're up by the ceiling and they look down upon their bodies. That, that's the common experience, but that was not Mary's experience. Uh, we encounter family members in our OBEs, both dead and alive, and at various ages. We're, we wondered why this occurred and what it meant. From your research, I feel the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. Recently, I read Stephen Hawking's theory, Stephen Hawking being the great British physicist, uh, that there are, uh, astrophysicist, that there were wormholes everywhere. I'm sorry, I have to keep stopping and explaining things. <laughs> In uh, cosmology and astrophysics, uh, wormholes are supposedly uh, tunnels from one part of the universe or the multiverse to, the, to another, and you can use them. They occur naturally because it's all part of nature. And you could uh, theoretically take a spaceship and travel very quickly from, say, our solar system to one far away. That if you went in a straight line would take you a zillion years, and you can do it very quickly through one of these wormholes. That's a very simplified explanation of what a wormhole is, but that's the idea. All right, back to Mary's letter. Um, okay, wormholes everywhere except our bodies are too heavy to go through them. That's another part of this series. So I'm thinking that when we, de we detach from our bodies through OBEs, our consciousness then is, is light enough to go through various wormholes, taking us to certain multiverses, question marks. Anyway, I would love your insight on all this. Okay, well, thank you, Mary. Uh, a lot of interesting ideas. Do, do you feel up, uh, are you uh, quite up to responding? Men? No, okay. As I say, Ben's running the board today, but he's not feeling too good. So, all right. The idea of, uh, first of all, to, to begin to discuss this, you have to assume that, and, and we don't like assumptions because people make too many of them in the paranormal, that OBEs or out-of-the-body experiences uh, are you actually separating from your body. So the question is, well, what is your body doing in the meantime? And number two, what is it that's separating from it? We have trouble with this philosophical point of view that, that looks at our, ourselves this way, that, that looks at our beings this way, because it's, we don't like dualism. In other words, you've got, a, you've got matter and energy. You've got uh, body and soul. I mean, yeah, and, and maybe we do, but we, we sort of look in the paranormal at, at human beings as a unity, so that you don't necessarily have the body being separated from the soul during an OBE. Again, maybe you do, but I, I tend to think there's another explanation. And that explanation resides in the notion that we are already living in parallel lives, such as you may visit in an OBE, as Mary suggests, and you're already there. You don't have to travel really anywhere. It's just it's your consciousness that simply shifts. It's, for example, if you just you hear a noise and you look somewhere else. You don't see 
what you were looking at in the first place, you see the new thing that was making the noise. I mean, it, can be, it might be just as simple as that. So as we, um, as we discuss this, you might want to bear that in mind, that we are sort of one being, in our opinion, across this multiverse, living in many of these parallel worlds, and that seems to be what the situation is. And, and to us, the OBE uh, may be something entirely different from separating from your body. Uh, we do have a call, and uh, I believe... Uh, hello, who is, uh, is this Willie? I don't know. Hey, Paul, it's me, Willie Miranda. How are you? Oh, Willie Miranda. We did expect Willie's call, and Willie's going to tell us about a very important conference coming up in New England. Ben and I will be speakers there. And, Willie, uh, tell us about uh, what's happening on September 5th and 6th. Well, first of all, let me start by uh, wishing you a belated uh, Happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you very much, Willie. I appreciate that. And, um, and uh, yes, um, uh, Susan, Susan McNeil Spooler and I, We'll be um, heading the uh, 2015 Greater New England UFO Conference on October 17th. And uh, our keynote speaker will be Richard Dolan. And uh, we will also have uh, Mark D'Antonio. Hopefully by then uh, he'll be 100%. Yeah, we're, we're going to see him in the hospital this week. Yeah, he uh, he was in pretty good spirits, and uh, Susan and I, Susan and I went to see him. Yes, and and thank you for letting us know about it. Because you know, I'll explain to the listeners after the, after the call what's going on, because they know Mark. Oh, okay, great, great. And um, we're also going to be having uh, Jan Harzan. He's going to be flying down, mm-hmm. and um, he also will be speaking on the uh, the 46 year um, history of MUFON. Okay, the Mutual and, uh, UFO Network, a great organization. Correct. One of the few things correct. to which I belong. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, do you? I do. Yes. I, we, we don't, we're not joiners. But ben doesn't belong. I do. And I, I, I thought that we were speaking at UFO conferences in the last few years. I should join it, and it's a great group. No, it is. It really is. It really is. And um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Jan is going to be um, also touching base on the uh, on the new MUFON show, Hangar One. Oh, yes, Which it's already started. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be going on to their second season. So uh, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, uh, Richard Dolan spends a lot of time on that show also. Yes. So, uh, yes, yeah, so it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, I believe, going to be uh, a pretty good conference, a pretty strong conference. Uh, we're also going to be having um, uh, Ronnie LeBlanc, and Bill Penning, they're uh, two Lemister residents. Uh, Bill Penning actually came out in uh, Finding Bigfoot on the first season, mm-hmm. and uh, they did a they did an episode on uh, on uh, Bigfoot sightings in Rhode Island, and also in uh, central central Massachusetts, out mm-hmm. in the uh, Lemister State Forest. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie LeBlanc right now is in the process of writing a book on Monsterland, which is a uh, like a folklore area around here. It's got a lot of history. Oh, we'll have to have him on about that. And, uh, excuse me? We'll have to have him on the show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's definitely going to, it'll be a, it'll be a good interview because, uh, uh, Bill Penning and, uh, Ronnie LeBlanc, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're really good speakers. Mm-hmm. They really are. And, um, we're also going to be having Ray Hernandez. I'm pretty sure you, uh, you know Ray. I know Ray, yep. 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 The, uh, and, um, f- foundation uh, for. Yet? I'm sorry. 
Have you met him yet? Uh, no, we've spoken on the phone a number of times. Uh, he he uh, was recently retired as uh, as director of the um, uh, Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Experiences, and uh, yeah. so that I'll look forward to meeting him. Yeah. So uh, so oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. who are the other who are the other speakers? We have uh, Stan Friedman. Yeah. yeah um, no, no, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have um, uh, you know, Roxy. Roxy Zewicker? Oh yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, she um, she's also going to be speaking, and um, we're also going to have uh, uh, Bill uh, Bill Wall. Mm-hmm. Conf- confirm him as a speaker also. Okay. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to have also Peter Robbins joining us that night. Good. Okay. Yes. You know, Peter's a, an eloquent speaker. He is. He's in a, in a real gentleman, yeah. too, yeah. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And, you know, the uh, um, hopefully uh, we'll have a... Uh, looking forward to having a good showing, Yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, highlighting some interviews. We're going to be doing a, uh, a local cable access show up in um, Westford, Mass. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to uh, hoping to interview you and all the speakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. No, no, just let us know when and where. Uh, so this is going to be October 17th. I gave the wrong date, so just, that's a different conference. October 17th at the City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts, right on the edge of our listening area. And uh, where can people find out more information, Willie? Well, they could uh, type in uh, the Greater New England UFO Conference on their web browser or on, on uh, Google. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll be able to find the uh, latest updates on the uh, on the website. Good. Okay. And we'll be uh, we'll be having you again, uh, you and Susan, or and or Susan, as we proceed toward the date to continue to promo this. Uh, and people can find information and links on our website as well. And uh, we'll be uh, you know keeping people well informed. But Willie, thank you so much, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there and to talking you talking to you in the meantime. Thank you for the opportunity, Paul. Okay, Have a well, great evening. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Okay, so, all right, so I'll go back to our letters here, and we're um, talking about out of the body experiences and what really happens. So it, you may be separating from your body some kind of essence of yourself, but we we have a philosophical problem with that because you know without your body, are you still you really? W- wouldn't you be less than yourself because? If you don't look at it in a dualistic way, you have to be a wholeness, and if you do separate, then you're not really there. I, th- I think rather, uh, I think a better explanation, in our opinion, is that you're experiencing parallel worlds where you already are. Mary mentions in her letter a vis- version of their home. I- I've heard this before. You know, things are not quite where they uh, are supposed to be. Uh, the home may be a different color. We-, we, get, we get emails on this kind of thing all the time. I remember that uh, there are people who, uh, <clears throat> I remember one, one particular experience in England, a man came out of his house and he was in an entirely different neighborhood. And he spent part of the day there. He ended up at the police station. Nobody knew who he was. And all of a sudden he had kind of blacked out. And there he was, uh, you know, walking down the street in his own neighborhood uh, as he remembered it. So th- there are many, many different parallel realities, apparently, with many different versions of you, uh, your loved ones. Uh, what you see uh, and and uh, what you see around you and hear is not necessarily what you get. There could be different versions of that. 
Mary also mentions running into uh, friends and loved ones, uh, family members, uh, both dead and alive. One of the reasons for ghosts, in our opinion, and it is a real phenomenon, but I don't think people interpret it correctly all the time. They think, again, that they've somebody separated from their body and the remnant is still running around. Well, I don't think that's good enough. I think that this parallel world idea is a far better explanation because at times you may, your consciousness may be, uh, have access to or be aware of places beyond the boundaries of some of these worlds where uh, a loved one has not died. They may have died in, in your own uh, daily consciousness stream that we very narrowly are, are, consciousness, are conscious of from, time, from day to day, but uh, not somewhere or somewhere else. People have time slips. They find themselves in the past or even in the future. And uh, sure, some of them may be nuts, uh, but most are not. Some are professional people who come to us and say that this is what had happened and they don't want anybody else to know about it, or there are issues uh, of other kinds that, that indicate that uh, the, these are perhaps real experiences or, or they experience something that they interpreted in this way. So I think, again, it's the first day of school, as we often say. And uh, thank you, Mary, for your interesting letter. And I think uh, we may have to look at uh, OBEs in a very uh, kind of different way. Right, now, here is, a, uh, is one from JT, and JT does not say where he... Oh, Oklahoma City. JT is from Oklahoma City. All right. Uh, hi, I have read both Footsteps in the Attic and uh, Faces at the Window. Okay, I have to say it's the closest to describing what I feel about the paranormal. When I was seven years old, my sister and her friends played with a Ouija board. Not a good idea, folks. And as I watched, the board, for some reason, only answered questions about me. My entire life, my entire life, I have been bothered, not really tormented, but just annoyed by mild poltergeist phenomena. I have never at any time felt it had anything to do with dead people, but rather it wants people to think that the things that happened to, to me, still do sometimes, were just too strange to put into words. Also, I got, I got si so sick of everything paranormal, or of a paranormal group saying, it's your grandma. <laughs> No, it's not my grandma. Your theory about parasites is pretty much how I came to feel, that it found the perfect vehicle to exist by using scenes of tragedy and people at their most vulnerable, vulnerable to take advantage of. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, JT. Uh, just to explain one, of the t one or two of the things that are in here, uh, people refer to the Ouija board. I mean, if, uh, O U I J A, it's supposed to be a parlor game. It's still sold by. Uh, several game companies that I've been after for, for decades to get rid of it, and they don't naturally they don't listen to me. But it's it's a, a board about the size of a standard game board, and it has what's called a planchette, which is something you put your fingers on, and it kind of slides across to spell out words and letters, which are what are printed on this so-called game board. All right, and there are there are different forms of it, but the most common one is what I just described. Uh, the last time I used one was in, I believe it was 1966, and I was in grammar school, of course, and I was over at a friend's house, and he had received one for his birthday. Thanks, parents. And we sat there using it. I didn't know anything about it at the time. And it uh, answered certain questions, and, you know, our, our fingers would be on the thing, and it would slide around to spell words, and there are numbers as well. And then we asked it when we would die. And it said that my friend would die in 1986. And he did. He died in a diving accident in Narragansett Bay, Rhode Island, in, uh, I believe it was May or June of that year. It said, I have a 
couple more years to go, but pretty much, uh, you know, not, and it's not that I believe this. And, and what is it? Is it is it a spirit? Is it some ghost? Was it grandma? Well, it didn't say what it was, but uh, I've had some experience with people who have used this and have caused all sorts of problems in their homes. Something um, was stirred up. Uh, the Ouija board is is a uh, sledgehammer that I, I think will will punch through the boundaries of the parallel worlds we've been discussing. And it sort of also was a dinner bell for negative entities that we call parasites that, that are responsible for our folklore about demons and evil spirits and things of this kind. And they do fill the bill. They are not spirits in, in our opinion and certainly not in my experience. They are they're entity, life forms, living things, I believe even physical ones in their own worlds, that have access very easily to other parallel realities where they can feed on the energy of the inhabitants there. Sounds pretty wild, but that's what we see. Uh, nature is very versatile. Their life uh, always finds some method for expressing itself and for prospering. Microbes have been found in the cores of nuclear reactors. Now, how inhospitable an environment can you imagine? <clears throat> and as a result, I think that life not only in these many worlds is uh, tenacious and it is the, the, it is the rule rather than the exception, I think that life between the worlds may even be a, a kind of the rule. And these parasites seem to be able to do that. I found them, particularly I'm thinking of a case in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania in 2004, when I found parasites, uh, one parasite at least, uh, active in one world where a, a murder was taking place, reaching into a second world where two young girls were living in an apartment together and having all kinds of problems, and into a third world where the, the, the things that, that the ghosts, the, the girls thought were ghosts haunting the apartment were actually people just living their lives in a parallel reality and they would be seen as transparent figures and this kind of thing. And they would see the girls living in the apartment as figures and, uh, transparent figures and thought they were ghosts. This is the sort of thing we're dealing with here when you look at it. So parasitical entities seeming to reach beyond boundaries uh, several at a time. Uh, ben and I ran into that in the haunted policeman case in, New ha I should say, Vermont, uh, beginning in 2005, a case we're still monitoring. So this is the kind of thing I think we're dealing with, and I think the JT is one of the people who's starting to, to really get how this, how this goes. You can't take anything in the paranormal at face value. So good job there, JT. Keep listening and let us know what's going on. All right, we're going to take our bottom-of-the-hour break here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is your Mater D in the Tiki Bar, Joe Callahan, inviting you into the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 until 7 p.m. It's nothing but the best in Jimmy Buffett music for the full hour, 6 to 7, Tuesday nights, right here on ON Radio. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by Papa John's Pizza, 1049 Cass Avenue on the corner of Menden Road here in Woonsocket. Remember, better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. It's the Tiki Bar right here on ON 1240 WON Socket Radio every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. And welcome back. And we usually at this point talk about various charities Ben and I have adopted, but we'll do that at the end of the show in our announcements. So we'll continue reading uh, with our open lines here. Uh, and let me give you our phone numbers again. Open line supposedly means phone calls, but we usually use it for emails. But you can call in. 
the number, of course, from anywhere in the U.S. and Canada, 800-449-1240, or locally, 401-766-1240 in uh, the Blackstone Valley of Rhode Island here. And uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's continue. This one is from, um, it's very difficult to see what the name is. Okay, but, uh, oh yeah, th- this, is, this is the sort of thing we receive relatively frequently. And you have to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt. All right. So I took up part of the beginning here because it wasn't really relevant. But this is someone who's writing in that my, ain't quote, my angels tell me <coughs> there's a, there about 90 million of these entities, meaning parasites, on the planet and responsible for most of the evil created here. Okay, I will um, just take this one sentence at a time. Now, there are lots of people who believe they're in contact with paranormal entities and angels in this case. And from what I've seen in the paranormal, it sounds crazy, it sounds like these people are nuts, and maybe they are sometimes. But I just, you know, having seen what I've seen, you have to at least consider that these things are possible. Uh, moving around in paranormal circles and approaching it from this multiversal viewpoint that we always do, we've run into uh, entities that seem benign, that are not human, and do seem to occupy parallel worlds. And you have to be very, very careful to keep your feet on the ground, uh, to have a sensible uh, interpretation, but also to remember that human logic and the human paradigm is not good enough to explain any of these things. And when people experience these things, they aren't necessarily crazy. When I worked in psychiatric hospitals as a seminary student and as a grad student in psychology, uh, Augsburg, New York, and, New- and uh, Norwich, Connecticut, I was, uh, I was able to deal with many patients who had been, uh, I suppose, diagnosed, certainly diagnosed as schizophrenic. And many, there are many aspects to schizophrenia and several different kinds of it, of course. But one of the uh, common phenomena is that they hear voices and see things. Very often they believe they're in other, other realities and things of this kind. Well, many of these people were uh, of, of uh, searing intelligence, very, very brilliant people, some of them. And others were... were experiencing horrible worlds, but many, many of the very intelligent ones seem to actually to be in contact with realities that, that uh, we couldn't see and they could. And I, uh, as I've mentioned several times, I've addressed groups of psychiatrists on this on several occasions, and uh, they will get all upset. I don't have any particular love for psychiatrists, but many of them would get all upset when I'd mention the possibility that this is not necessarily a chemical imbalance in the brain, that, that these people may be experiencing real parallel worlds. Uh, but they came, several came up to me, actually a large number in one case came up one by one and said, you know, I think you've got something there. I've suspected the same thing, but if I say that, I'll lose my job. So there is just as much, uh, I suppose, uh, just as much p- politicking in science as there is, and, and medicine as there is anywhere else in human nature. Uh, means that science is not always reliable or that its, 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 its agents are always to be trusted or always get it right. As a matter of fact, our good friend Stanton Friedman, whom you see practically every time you turn on the History Channel on UFO shows, uh, wrote a book with our good friend Kathleen Marden, uh, who are, both of whom have been on the show many times. The uh, book was entitled Science Was Wrong, and it's really thick, and it goes through all sorts of... of um, examples in history uh, when the science was was wrong about this or that on various issues when it shouldn't have been wrong and uh, it was difficult to to correct the errors so that's a, that's a good book science was wrong so anyway uh, moving on here 
certainly 90 million of these entities on the planet. Well, I don't know if there's any number, and I don't know if they're on the planet as opposed to being in sort of parallel realities. So, okay. So, there we are as far as that's concerned. We don't really count numbers. I mean, there was an old, there's an old theological joke that uh, theology, the study of things religious, can be silly when they start debating how many angels can sit on the head of a pin. That actually occurred at one point in the Middle Ages, right? So uh, we're not interested in numbers here. We're interested in effects and that kind of thing. And they do seem to come and go. All right, now to continue here with uh, this letter. Uh, we also, we've also been able to remove ghosts and other entities from people's houses using the same protocol. I'm not quite clear on that, mainly because I don't know who's really writing this. Uh, the angels point out that people aff afflicted with these parasites uh, to me on my journey. So whoever this is says that the, that the guardian entities will point out parasites where they are. And yeah, I suppose that's possible. I don't know. Uh, so that, so that, that's about... Oh, I'm sorry. There is a name here. It's Dino. D-I-N-O. Okay, well, thank you, Dino, for writing and... and uh, We'll let people make their own judgments on that. And, uh, you know, anything is possible. So here's another one. This is from uh, Garen. And Garen does not say where he is from. Or Gary, not Garen, Gary. Uh, wow, I just... Oh, no, this, this is a historical question. I, I don't know how this got in here. I, I mentioned... <laughs> I made a, a passing... Um, reference to Abraham Lincoln on, on the Coast to Coast show, I believe, or on one of our shows. And uh, I, I've discussed this with, Garen, uh, with Gary, I should say, uh, on, with email, because uh, under my other hat, I'm, I'm a historical writer as well. So let's move on then. Uh, this is from Trish, and I do not know where Trish is from. As I say, Ben is here with us tonight, but he's under the weather, so I'm kind of trying to handle the verbal parts here. Um, I know it's not possible to really know the answer, but thought you may have heard of something with your knowledge of paranormal history. Oh, this is a really dark one, so I warn you in advance. Uh, the reason I ask is my husband was possessed, and before attempting to kill me, he hung himself. I wasn't sure until I researched and based on what I witnessed uh, and barely survived. I'm almost certain this was the case. So the question is that really of possession and how it affects people's actions, uh, their attitudes toward their close ones and toward themselves and that sort of thing. And it is a common question. The whole issue of possession uh, is approached generally with, with assumptions, just like everything else in the paranormal is. And these assumptions tend to be based on sort of what you might call pop theology. All right, things that are uh, more or less taught in religion in one way and are, and are very often understood in another way by the people who follow that particular religion. I don't think parasites, which are, again, the basis for our beliefs about demons, really have all that much to do with religion. Religion can be a tool, of course, for positive energy to be applied through our own uh, abilities uh, that can help uh, def deflect the attentions of parasites and can help bring families together and, and uh, reduce the food supply or eliminate it. And the food supply being negative energy that people produce when we're upset or angry or fearful or not getting along with each other, things of this kind. And the entire parasite situation uh, can lead to the poltergeist phenomenon, 
uh, that, that I've experienced several times. Ben hasn't had the pleasure yet, as far as I know. Uh, and also the phenomenon that we know as possession, which apparently is, seems to be a melding, to some degree, of the personalities of a human and an entity of negative intent. And I've seen this. I've, I've been present at 10 different exorcisms, not for many years now, but when I was assisting uh, a priest at this uh, in my, during my seminary years. Now, the, the problem here, of course, is was that interpreted correctly? Several of these exorcisms didn't work. And I think if you take strictly this religious approach that you're dealing with a servant of Satan that is possessing a human being who is a child of God, that you uh, and you can approach it that way, that that can be the solution. Well, sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. Because I think what we're really dealing with, or what we've been discussing in some of these letters, uh, the parasitical entities that are simply parts of nature and are living uh, beings, life forms, and probably very physical in their own uh, worlds of, of origin, and they are able to come in and feed as we discussed. I think that's what's happening. When a possession occurs, in my opinion, today, what's happening is that there is a, a certain... And, and this is where we get into us existing in many different forms throughout these various universes, right, in the parallel worlds. And when we have that occurring, we also can reach a place where the parasite can sort of meet us and is a part of us because we share our identities at times even with these parasites. In other words, in a very, very alien world where your consciousness lives in a different form, you could be this parasite and probably are. And that's how, very, very weird, very, very wild, but that, that's what I saw in, the, in these cases. And you can have this sort of bonding with an aspect of yourself, which is this, this parasite, an independent creature, but nevertheless sort of is kind of one with you. It's like, uh, in the good end of that, it's like when you meet someone for the first time and you really hit it off. I've seen this happen. People have asked me about it. Someone, someone you never saw before, might even be a different age, from a different place, no, nothing overtly in common, but you just somehow sit it off, hit it off, your kindred spirits. Well, you might be more kindred than you realize. Uh, in a close parallel world, you might be actually uh, sharing an identity and be the same person. That's, that's all part of this uh, aspect of this kind of physics. Right? You know, and it's interpreted in different ways by many people, but that seems to be what it's like. Okay, so, uh, so the woman believes her husband was possessed before attempting to harm her and killing himself. Okay, that is something, unfortunately, that I believe is entirely possible. Uh, I was, this, the letter continues uh, from Trish. I wasn't sure until I researched and based on what I witnessed and barely survived. In almost, I'm almost certain this was the case. Well, she may be right. Since his passing, the harassment has continued. Harassment presumably by parasites. That's very possible. First, it was things like his cologne smell appearing on all my clothes. Uh, smells or olfactory phenomena, as they would be known formally, are very common in many kinds of para paranormal phenomena that may or may not be have anything to do with parasites or may or may not be quote-unquote demonic. Sometimes uh, I've heard from people who said, well, their father always smoked a pipe, and then, then when he uh, passed or translated, as we say, to another consciousness, uh, you could still smell the pipe smoke in the living room, right? And this kind of really spooked them out, and is he still here? Is it his ghost? And I mean, no, of course not. It's just... You know, you, you've got a thin world boundary there, and he's still smoking the pipe. Uh, and the, the letter continues. Uh, then in my dreams, uh, where I am hunted by him, 
This is a real, real terrible situation uh, psychologically here, obviously. And he still looks possessed with the black eyes and changed face. I don't know if this is my post-traumatic stress or actual harassment. Any info would be appreciated. Well, I would say, Trish, that, uh, you know, why don't you write us in anything further that occurs? I think you need to get really, bring in some more positive energy to that place. Start, I don't know anything about you. I don't know where you live. Uh, but try to, try to be positive. Try to come together with your loved ones and your close ones and try to build up some strength there. And that will protect you or help protect you from any sort of, of uh, parasitical attack or th- something of this kind. It really does work. Uh, love really is the answer in this case. And we have a caller. We have Susan. Hello, Susan. Oh, hello, Susan. Welcome to Hi, Behind Kyle. the Paranormal. <laughs> thank you so much. It's good to talk to you today. Sure. What's cooking? And thank you. Oh, well, uh, I, I had a business meeting, and I got out of it early. I was, that's why I had Willie call earlier. Oh, Susan. Okay, this is Susan also from the uh, Greater yeah. New England UFO Conference. Yeah, we, we talked to Willie before, yeah. Yes, and so I just wanted to call to just kind of embellish upon... Um, the speakers and uh, the hotels and the arrangements that we'll be making for people um, Sounds that will good. be coming from out of, out of the area. Okay. So um, we're working in conjunction with the local uh, Double Tree. It used to be, Double Tree at the Hilton, and it used to be a Sheridan uh, over by the intersection of Route Two and Twelve in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Okay. And we're also working with a couple of other local hotels and um, carving out some discounted rooms that people can reserve prior to the event. So we'll be putting okay. those on our website, All right. which is newenglandufo.com. Good. Okay. Yeah, we, we uh, have a link to that on our show site, behindtheparanormal.com, and we'll be uh, promoing this as we go. So uh, what else is going on uh, at the conference this year? Well, we're, um, we're very excited to have uh, Richard Dolan for our keynote speaker. And um, Bill Hall has agreed to also uh, be one of our speakers, and he's um, excited to. He said he was going to come up and see you, anyways. And so oh, that's going to be. Oh, Bill is a dear friend of ours. Yeah, As a matter of fact, he, I, I was. Uh, t- <laughs> we, we were touched to find out that he's de- he's dedicating, or has dedicated the, his new book, The Haunted House Diaries, uh, to us. Because we, oh. we put him onto the case. Yeah, that uh, that's uh, kind of an awe, you know, situation. So. <laughs> I did, you know what, if, if these are people um, on your, in your audience here that know uh, Mark D'Antonio, um, we could give the address for where he's... I think that would be wonderful. Life. We wanted to do that anyway. Yes, uh, I'll give you some background on that, folks. Uh, Mark D'Antonio, of course, being a dear friend of ours and uh, the Mutual UFO Network's National Director of Audio, I should say Video and Photo Analysis, and, and, a, and a bona fide astronomer, uh, was supposed to meet me... Uh, Two, well, um, well, about a week, two week, well, a week and a half, two weeks ago in uh, Torrington, Connecticut, at the house that's the center of the book that Bill Hall just wrote, the case Ben and I have been working since 2005, and wow. we were going to do a drone flight over this really mysterious place that we think might house some sort of secret base, believe it or not. <laughs> Uh, there was wow, military yeah. activity around, and uh, Susan heard me talk on this last year at the conference. And uh, Bill, I should not Bill, but uh, Mark didn't uh, didn't show. And uh, phone calls, emails, and that wasn't like him. Turns out uh, he had a serious medical problem and was in the hospital. And it happened so quickly yeah. that we we weren't able to to find out about it. So uh, Ben and, 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 and his wife and his wife didn't have the code his uh, password to his phone. 
so she couldn't get in there and, and answer any phone calls or retrieve any calls um, because he was in a he wasn't there. Yeah, no, we were frantic, too. but fortunately now we yeah. found out what's going on. So uh, why don't you give us the address in New Britain, Connecticut, where people can send cards. Sure. Mark, Mark D'Antonio, D, uh, Mark with a C, M-A-R-C. D'Antonio is D-A-N-T-O-N-I-O. And he's at the hospital for special care in the medical rehab center. And he's in room 1255 a is an apple. Okay. And the address is 2150 Corbin, C-O-R-B-I-N, Avenue. And that is in New Britain, Connecticut. And the zip code is 06053. And um, they do have a phone number. They have a phone number, the main number. You can always try to ask to speak to him. At this point, he... Um, he doesn't have a phone in his room, but I'm, he may he may in the future here. But the number there is eight six zero two two three two seven six one. And for those that are local that um, would like to pay him a visit, visiting hours are from twelve p.m. from lunchtime until eight p.m. at night. Okay, great. And I might suggest that if people want to contact him through us, send us emails or give us calls, because Ben and I will be seeing him before the end of this week, and we'll be very, ha- very happy to pass on any messages for, for anyone who can't, uh, can't go personally. But, Mark, a wonderful, so wonderful fellow. He is. He is. We, uh, Willie and I went um, down to see him uh, Thursday afternoon, and, um, and he, was looking, he was looking well. Would you believe I was there on Tuesday with a friend visiting visiting uh, some family <laughs> graves, and I didn't even know he was two blocks away? Well, see, and, and, not, and isn't that funny? And um, it was just uh, through is it, um, Michael Mel- is it Melton, who Michael that has a show in out of Philadelphia. Oh yeah, am I not saying his name correctly? Um, and he was the one that initially had posted about Mark, and then I followed up. With a couple of other people, and then um, and then called the facility uh, because it was transferred out of a hospital from out of New York City uh, up to Connecticut. Now. Yeah, he was at Mount Sinai, I guess. But uh, Susan, thank you so much for informing us because we'd still be looking oh. for him. Sure. Yeah. See. Yeah. And exactly. so I'm happy that uh, we're all in touch with each other. And his, his wife was very. His wife was was deeply moved um, that that he was receiving so many cards, and they said, "How did? How was? Uh, you know, how were people finding out where he was?" and and he was so appreciative. Uh, his his wall in in his room is starting to fill up with cards, which is which is really nice. That's great. Well, we're going to be bringing one. I, I accused I accused him of, of of going through other people's rooms and stealing the cards. <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, Susan, thanks thanks very much again. And give us the date once again, October seventeenth, and that's Saturday, October seventeenth, in Lemonster, Massachusetts. That le- looks like Leo Minster, L E O. Everybody know. Everybody around here knows Lemonster. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, where Benny Andreessen first had her abductions, and right. it's, I, I swear that it's a it's a hotbed, or, or um, there, there's something about the area that attracts. Oh all yeah, this yeah. Heard a lot of stories, so we're looking forward Absolutely. to it. Well, Susan, thanks I'll a million, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take you, Paul, and thank you, Ben. Well, we'll we'll talk with you soon. Very good. Bye bye now. Okay. Thank you. So we'll uh, finish up Trisha's uh, letter here, uh, just uh, wishing her the best and asking her to keep us kind of posted on what's going on here. And there's also a little bit of a warning. You don't want to misinterpret things as because the, they may not even be paranormal, you know, strange little occurrences and things. 
uh, it's difficult to draw the line, uh, or there may be a component of something that's odd because of where you are or who you are sometimes. But uh, just you know, keep your feet on the ground. That, that's the important thing, and keep it positive. All right. Okay, now here's an interesting one, and those of you who are watching uh, on a computer, which probably isn't very many of you, I'll, I'll show this on, on the webcam, but uh, this is from Frank, and I, I don't know where Frank is from. I think he might be from the south somewhere. Uh, Paul, have you ever seen a handprint like this? And he sends a photograph. I don't know if it is a handprint or a footprint, but it is not human. I found this inside my theater room, which is a one-room house, uh, that I have always kept closed and locked. I, I always keep closed and locked. No one else uh, had access to this room. Uh, the pillow was lying uh, on the side of the sofa. And here's the picture. Ben's going to hold it up to the webcam in case anyone is in a position to see it. And I will describe it for the rest. It has uh, one, two, three, four. Uh, it looks as though it's got four fingers going one way and another four going the other way, three or four, uh, almost like an animal print. And uh, I, I have, well, well the, the closest I've seen to this was was in our under one of our bushes at our home when there had been a report of a gray, uh, that that's the the classic alien. Uh, sort of being that people often report. And I don't know whether it really was or what, but uh, there had been a report, and then sure enough, there were these sort of odd footprints underneath our window. Now, this kind of reminds me of that, but I, I really can't say. So, yeah, so, yes, to answer the question, Frank's question, I have seen things like this, but this looks like it was um, made on a pillow with uh, there was powder or something on the hands, and uh, I, I don't know. I think what we can do is post this on our Talking points page for this show, which has not been posted yet, and uh, see what we can do with that. So, uh, in the meantime, we have. Um, I wanted to mention that we are dealing as as quickly as we can with our low, late, late. I suppose our, our recent podcast problem. Uh, the station here uh, just switched over computer systems, and that might, might have been part of it. And we have one from last week that we cannot seem to upload, and we will try to take care of that really great show with uh, Alejandro Rojas. And we're repeating many of the questions on this show that we couldn't get, th that we got to on May 11th, but weren't able to put up for podcast because the podcast was lost because of a technical glitch. So anyway, let's get, let's. I think we we'll probably be time for one more. And this is uh, Mark from Tucson, Arizona, writes to us on Facebook. And you can do that behind the paranormal with Paul and Benino you know, Facebook page. So Mark from Tucson uh, writes, some paranormal, quote, experts come across as very stupid. Not you two. How do these people get where they get in this field? What kind of background do you have to have to be considered an expert? Uh, well, Mark, that's a good question. We don't like to criticize others, but there are times when you really just can't help it. What kind of background do you, do you need? Well, some of these people, I think, just uh, the, the, the common bio for many of the people who are in this field, in the pop paranormal realm, as we might call it, the hobbyist branch of this, uh, will start, the bio will start out, well, I grew up in a haunted house, or I've been interested in this for many years, or uh, this happened to me when I was a child. Well, that's fine, but just because you've watched brain surgery occur doesn't mean you can do it. So... And I think that these people, again, uh, when they see these things, they don't know what they're seeing. And if it really is paranormal, they don't understand it because they have the old 19th century ideas about what it is and the assumption after assumption after assumption will take place. So 
I don't know really what background they have. They start groups, they, they give themselves titles, you know, the first deputy assistant investigator, the chief investigator, and all this kind of business. And, and I just think that's that's rather silly. I mean, when I started out in the early 1970s, or actually 1970 itself, uh, there wasn't any such phenomenon at the time. Uh, you just sort of... Uh, there weren't very many people doing this. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren were increasingly prominent because they were among the few people doing it, and people were interested in the subject. But um, people might ask you, well, who, who, who was I to start doing this? Well, I was a seminary student, and, and there were religious connotations to this, and certainly at the time, and there are even still, uh, because it reaches to the, uh, the essence of perhaps what reality really might be and has messages really for you. I shouldn't use that term, I suppose. It has uh, in indications of, of uh, things that about God and reality and ourselves that uh, are found in the paranormal that may, may give us clues to uh, how we should live our lives and what's really going on. But, of course, that can be, you can take that and run away with it. So, uh, again, paranormal experts, uh, I, I prepared. I, actually, one seminary faculty that I, that I had uh, in uh, sort of the mid-seminary years was very sympathetic to this. They set up special courses for me and I was doing work in the psychiatric hospital, and this really helped. Uh, and I was working with some great people, um, Father John Nicola, etc. I don't have to give you my resume. It's, it's on our website. But uh, that's, that was my background. But as far as other people, I don't know. Uh, we, like, we tend to like people who have studied psychology, philosophy, and physics to work in this field because there are implications for all three. So um, I don't know, Mark, how these people get where they get. Uh, maybe they know somebody in the media and all this business. But that seems to be just about how they get they get there. And the people who are on TV, I don't even want to comment on that. All right. So, okay, we've got three minutes left. Let's get, get to our announcements. Thank you all those for, who, are, uh, for, who wrote in, and we're sorry we didn't get those questions sooner. On Saturday, September 5th, we're scheduled to speak, Ben and I, uh, once again at the Exeter UFO Festival in Exeter, New Hampshire. It's a town-wide event organized by the local Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. It's free. You can come in, the whole town gets involved. It's a, it's a barrel of fun. It's really great. Uh, speakers besides ourselves will include the great Stanton Friedman, whom, whom you've heard on the show many times, and uh, Richard Dolan, uh, who was also going to be at the conference we've been discussing in our, with our callers tonight, uh, Kathleen Marden, nephew of Betty, uh, nephew, niece of Betty and Barney Hill, uh, the, the uh, subjects of the great uh, 1961 abduction case uh, in Exeter, uh, and Jennifer Stein, whom we do not know, but whom we look forward to meeting. And we'll provide information as the date approaches for that event. On Thursday, September 24th, Ben and I will join Bill Hall, author of the forthcoming book, The Haunted House Diaries, which we've discussed, uh, for a joint book event at Hank's Restaurant in Brooklyn, Connecticut. Hank's has great food, and it'll be a lot of fun, and we'll um, uh, get you some information about that as we go, because it's coming up fast. On Saturday, October 10th, uh, Ben and I once again will be speakers at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Mass. Uh, Willie and Susan, who called in tonight, separately discussed that. It's going to be a really exciting event, and uh, watch for more information on that uh, on our website and on uh, greaternewenglandufo.com. Uh, visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you'll find uh, all that information, plus nearly 600 free podcasts of past shows from both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. You'll find my books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, and Barnes & Noble Nook. It includes Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, and Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. 
But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll be happy to sign them for you. You'll help us keep all those podcasts free. Uh, we also mentioned, too, our uh, charities we adopted, USACares.org, CanadianVeteransAdvocacy.org, Youth Mentoring Connection, uh, YouthMentoring.org in Los Angeles, doing great things out there. And certainly two new books of interest. Uh, you can find those on our website, The Bell Witch Project and UFO Repeaters, which deals also with, uh, has a whole chapter on our good friend Joe Ferrier, who was at this station, ON1240, for many, many years as a talk show host. Uh, both books are available on Amazon.com. Next Monday, June 29th, we'll welcome New Hampshire-based broadcasters Willie Hassel and Lynn Nickerson right here in studio. Uh, they had Spirit Chasers Paranormal for one of our rare looks at the state of that kind of paranormal research. And now that we've badmouthed everybody in that field, uh, we have, um, we're going to have, the, have some, some of the better ones as guests next week. So check that out. I'm Paul Eno, and uh, Ben is going to... I'll say he, Ben Eno's sitting here, but he's uh, under the weather. So talk to you next week. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.